Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ and Bucky uh, back in California. And, a, uh, gosh, what a uh, just an awful 24-hour period um, for not just people that live in Southern California like we do, but people all over the globe um, with just the tragic news that, that took place uh, with the passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and, and seven other passengers on that helicopter. Um, we're going we're gonna to do a lot of football talk today. We're not going to spend much time on this because I know a lot of you are looking for something to kind of get away from the sadness of the news that transpired. Um, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about – we're going to roll some interviews we had down there. But, Buck, um, I, I don't know how you avoid it. I mean, I don't know how we could avoid saying something at the top of the show here about just an unspeakable tragedy. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like – really a horrifying tragedy uh, when you think about like the loss like uh, you and I both parents uh, the loss of a, a father and a daughter the bond that they had 
um, the love and display that we most recently saw play out on Twitter when he and his daughter at the game, talking about the game kind of like a shared passion. Um, but really, DJ, I, I think the way that we can talk about it in football terms is we saw the outpouring of love um, and support and respect from all of these players and all of these people around. And it just led me to think about like what we all love as um, competitors is we love seeing people compete at the highest level. They kind of really bring it on a daily basis. And I think when you think about the Mamba mentality and why his passing resonated with so many players is because the Mamba mentality is kind of like that ideal view of who you kind of choose, who you would like to see yourself as, as a competitor. So when you think about Kobe, you think about the preparedness, you think about the work ethic, uh, you think about the, the grit and the resilience that he displayed, the toughness, mental and physical. Uh, you think about the skill level and then the overall dominance. Well, I think in each of our lives, we aspire to have kind of like those kind of traits when we're performing in our chosen field. And I think um, because of this generation of players in football and basketball or whatever, Kobe was kind of the guy that kind of was the ideal thing to them. Like they talk about, you know, the way that he worked, 530 in, first one in, last one out, and all of those things. And I think what I would do is, in terms of thinking about Kobe and how I think about it as it relates to guys that we're scouting, Kobe talked about being uh, a super talented overachiever. Um, I've used terms mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I want a guy who is a blue-chip talent with a blue-collar mentality. And so as we're coming off the heels of the senior bowl is can you find those guys that are kind of like five-star players, but they have like a walk-on mentality. I think Matt Rule kind of talked about that toughness. That's ultimately what you want. You want guys who don't kind of see themselves as already arrived, but guys that uh, continue to aspire to have a level of greatness that uh, makes them kind of unbreakable, puts them in legendary status. I think that's what I'll take away from the passing like, I want to find guys on my teams that are around me that kind of have that spirit when it comes to anything and everything that they do. You just you put it beautifully, Buck. I can't say it any better. The one thing I maybe would just add is another thing that, that you've talked about for a long time, and, and uh, I've kind of adopted your opinion on this, so the importance that you put on it, and talking to all these coaches as we've done over the last couple of years, I've heard it come up over and over again, is those guys that don't, they don't shrink in the big moments. They embrace the big moments. They, I think of Kobe. I remember an Olympics one year in a tight ball game with all these superstars, and you have so many different options of where the ball could go, and it was like, no, there's only one option. That ball goes to Kobe because Kobe embraces this moment. He lives for this moment. Um, and he really was that throughout his, his whole career. And we talk about scout football players. How do they perform against the best competition on the big stage? What do they do in those big moments? And I don't know that anybody was better – uh, in that regard than Kobe. And I think that is a good, it's a good scouting nugget to take along and keep with us. Yeah, I, I think that, that really matters. And I think as we kind of like transition into what we saw at the senior bowl, I think we all are looking for those guys that handled uh, the big stage. How do they handle seeing uh, 90 other guys who are uh, highly decorated, all league, all American performers who are the best guys on their team? Well, how do they perform when you put them all together in Lab People Stadium and watch them compete. And so my joy, uh, obviously prior to Sunday, was coming out of the weekend where you got a chance to see some of those high-level competitors do their deal. And some of those guys really, really stepped up. And so 
as we continue to talk about the evaluation process and getting closer to the draft, I do believe you kind of have to put a little asterisk by those guys that took their game up a notch when they knew that everything was kind of riding on their performance at the senior ball. Absolutely. And we're going to get into those performances in just one second. The one thing kind of put a uh, kind of wrap up our discussion here on this this news. Um, we talk about the crossover appeal and the impact that Kobe Bryant had on the football space. We were interviewing Terrell Lewis uh, from Alabama before yeah. uh, bef- before the week of practice. And I, I actually I don't know why I asked him this, Buck. I, have, I don't know. I've, no, I've never asked this question to anybody else ever when we've talked about these prospects mm-hmm. but for some reason. I just asked him, who's your favorite basketball player? Um, just curious. I don't know where it came from, but I just asked him, who's your favorite basketball player? And, and I want to roll right now the sound of his answer to that question. You can see the impact Kobe Bryant had on football. His mentality. Just, yeah, Mama I, mentality. Yeah, him. And that's kind of, he played a part in why I wear 24, along with it being like my little sister's birthday. It was August 24th, but I always honor Kobe like the way he, go about his business, the way he, you know what I'm saying, attacks things, and he thinks about the game deeper than just, oh, I'm better than you. It's, it's like a lot of fine details that makes it, like, every, you can tell with Kobe, every decision is calculated when he plays, and that's kind of how, how I try to approach the game. So now, a few years ago, didn't Nick Saban have Kobe mm-hmm. yeah, talk, so how yeah. impactful was that uh, yeah. with you? If you ask anybody, that was probably the only person that I met in person that really made me feel like a fan, so... <laughs> When I met him, I, even when he was like uh, kind of talking to us, I was asking a bunch of questions because at the time I was going through my injury and I was trying to kind of pick his brain about how he deal with his body, how he feels about injury, stuff like that. And then afterwards, getting to meet with him, talk to him a little bit while we took a picture and stuff like that, that was awesome too. And then kind of tell him like, hey, you know what I'm saying, I read your book, stuff like that, all, the, all those type of things. It was cool. It just kind of made me feel like a little kid. Well, Buck, you heard it right there. I mean, the guy wore number 24 because of Kobe Bryant. He talked about, you know, being in awe when he was around him, never really asking questions, all these great guests that they roll through Alabama, but he really wanted to get to pick the brain of Kobe and and Kobe talking to him about the rehab process. Um, man, how about that? I mean, I, I you didn't we didn't think anything about it at the time. I thought it was kind of curious. I went up to him before the game. I saw uh, Terrell Lewis before the game. I was walking on the field, and I walked over to him, and I, I, gave, him, I gave him a little dap, and I said, all right, Kobe, let's have a good one today. And uh, he just smiled real big. But, uh, man, it was uh, kind of chilling when I, when I thought back to that conversation and that story after this news came out. Yeah, like, it, 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 it was great because, like, that story, you could, you could tell, like, how uh, he sat on the edge of the seat, one, and telling the story. You could also picture him sitting on the edge of the seat when Kobe is – uh, lecturing the guys on a bunch of different topics when he visited Alabama. And Nick Saban, to his credit, does a great job of bringing guys in uh, to kind of help those guys when it comes to mental performance and the like. And uh, when you talk about Kobe, the ultimate competitor, um, the guy who poured so much into the preparation part of the game, uh, for Lewis to be uh, so consumed and really so uh, inspired by Kobe's uh, performances and, and what he did, uh, I do think it's interesting that that generation, that's what they take from Kobe, the Mamba mentality, the killer instinct, um, the work that goes into your craft. I think those things transcend basketball, and I think those things have enabled Kobe to connect with others in other sports. All right. Well, um, you couldn't say it better myself. The uh, 
the interviews we're going to roll here in just a little bit. We're going to roll our interviews with Ashton Davis, uh, safety from Cal, who I think has got a chance to be a second-round pick, did not play in the game uh, due to some injury uh, issues. Neville Gallimore, a very, very explosive, talented defensive tackle who's got a great story out of Oklahoma. And we're also going to uh, air our conversation with Kyle Duggar. And if you don't know that name, if you've never heard of Lenore Ryan uh, College, you're going to want to. You're definitely going to want to listen to that interview because he's somebody that's flying up uh, everybody's radar screen here for the. For the week he had at the Senior Bowl as well as the game that he had. He's going to test like an absolute freak. He's got a chance to be a second-round pick as well. So uh, stick around for those interviews at the end of the show here. But, Buck, uh, just overall impressions, Senior Bowl players uh, that jumped out to you, what would you think? Man, like, so the good thing about the Senior Bowl is, like, you like to hear uh, – you like to see the guys that you've heard about on the road perform and excel. And so, obviously, Devon Kenlaw was a guy that we had heard about, uh, the South Carolina defensive tackle. Uh, to me, was the number one pick in the game if he had participated and played. And watching him for those two days on the practice field, he was unblockable. He was unstoppable. You can envision him being a top-team caliber player with his length, with his power, with his athleticism. And I think the crazy thing is when I look at him, I'm like, man, this guy's just scratching the surface on what he could be because I don't even know if he's been in a scheme that has really highlighted or showcased his skills. And so coming off of the weekend, I'm looking at him as someone – that dominated. I think Marlon Davidson, uh, the, the brief flashes that he displayed while he was practicing and performing, <laughs> uh, I came away very, very impressed with them. So, look, man, you and I have talked about it. The way that you build a champion is you got to start in the trenches. And so I'm fixated on the guys that can dominate up front. Those are two guys that really stood out to me. Yeah, and I'll stay on the defensive front here. In the game, um, Bradley Anai, I thought, was the best player in the game just with oh, his, man, his game performance. Now, I, I do want to. He was unblockable. I do want to. I, I got was getting some texts from people during the game and, and personnel, and you can tell who has high grades and who doesn't have high grades. Like, oh, he's beating up on tomato cans. Like these these tackles are terrible. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I, he can't control who's in front of him. I saw him do it against some of the best tackles in the country. I saw him do it against Austin Jackson. Uh, some of the best players he played against, he got him. This guy. Look, he, he does not have he, – he's not going to test like a freak, Buck. Um, there is a tinge of tightness there as well. All I know is he is a technician with his hands, and he can finish. And he finished in this game with a couple sacks, another big hit that forced an interception. He was unblockable. And I, I referenced it during the broadcast. He was on the, on the flight with me coming in, and uh, everybody on the flight, it's a bunch of personnel guys and, and uh, scouts all over the league that were on this flight. And then all of a sudden, this guy walks in, and he's got this gray suit on with a red tie, dress shoes. I mean, he was dressed like he was going to interview for, for a job at the New York Stock Exchange. Like, it was all business. And, uh, and I don't know if he could have done anything more than he did. He was dominant. Look, he was dominant, and that's what you want to see. And so we can kind of uh, – dismiss uh, the efforts on the other side and say that he wasn't playing against people that were good enough. Well, he did exactly what you're supposed to do when you play against those guys. He dominated. He was uh, unblockable. He was a dominant player. Sorry for you hearing my dog in the background going crazy. But um, <laughs> he, he, did exactly, he did exactly what you're supposed to do. And so from my vantage point, man, I, I, I can't knock him for that. I just give him tip the head and say, hey, man, that was a very, very dominant performance. 
no doubt. And the guy on the other side, uh, Josh Uche, who's a kind of a tweener, right? Uh, an edge rusher, hybrid linebacker. He's six one and a half, two hundred forty-one pounds. But he just had too much juice, too much speed coming off the edge for those tackles in that game. And he was right there on the opposite side, uh, providing a lot of pressure. And I thought he did a pretty decent job in coverage during the week. So uh, you've got a very versatile skill set there with somebody like that. Very versatile. You know, I think the thing with him, first step quickness and burst is everything. And so everyone's looking for those guys that can fly off the ball with cat-like quickness. He has it, man. He, he certainly did it. Uh, you talk about those guys having a party all day. Man, it was just meeting at the quarterback over and over again for you saying it up. Uh, I want to get to a couple. Uh, let's get to some of these skill guys here. Tight end wise, Harrison Bryant from FAU, and then you go to to the big tight end from Dayton, who who I'm a big fan of. When you look at Adam Troutman, uh, I thought both those guys were outstanding during the week. I thought they were clearly the best two tight ends there. Um, got a little bit of run there in the game, not a ton of action for them in the game, but great weeks of practice. Really good job on the run game uh, by both those guys, which was was good to see. And then receiver wise. I thought it was interesting because some of the guys that dominated during the week, Buck, did not have big games. Uh, Van Jefferson had a great week of practice, which in all, you know, let's be honest, is, is more important with the consistency of the week he put together. And then K.J. Hill from Ohio State. Both those guys, great during the week, but just didn't get many opportunities in the game. No, they didn't get many opportunities in the game because the offensive line was getting absolutely worked. But those guys were terrific throughout the course of the week. Van Jefferson might be one of the best broad runners. He's kind of like the next guy that should pop like a Cooper Cup, like Debo Samuel, um, like Terry McLaurin popped following this game. Uh, K.J. Hill also, uh, I know you've highlighted him, but uh, he was kind of underrated in terms of what he was able to do that week. He showed like he's another Ohio State guy that is polished and ready to go. And so those two guys were uh, terrific standouts in my mind. The two tight ends that you mentioned, Troutman and Bryant, I got a man crush on both of those guys. Brian is one of my favorites when it comes to uh, envisioning him being the next uh, Zach Ertz type that can kind of play in the slot and be a jumbo size wide receiver while still being a credible blocker. And then Troutman, I think, is, is really like your classic wide tight end. It's hard to find a traditional tight end. Yep. I think he actually can be that. Like, I, I think he can be that every down tight end that gives you what you need in the blocking game, but also excels as a receiver. I'm with you. And then uh, before we get to the quarterbacks, running back-wise, Josh Kelly I thought was best in show from UCLA. And then I would say P. Ryan. Uh, P. Ryan and, and Gibson would probably be right there behind him. But I thought overall, when you take it all in, I thought Josh, Josh Kelly had the best week of practice, and I thought he had the best game. Man, loved him. Like, DJ, it's kind of funny, right? So every day we're there doing a recap show, we're looking. And it, you're kind of like, man, I need to get a little note in about Josh Kelly because you see him shine in the same things that he did on Saturday. He did throughout the practice week. He could slip and slither through cracks and creases. Uh, did a great job getting to the second level. Showed some toughness that maybe I don't know if everyone knew that he had. But then in the passing game, he looks like he could be a very valuable contributor in the passing game. And so some people will say, oh, maybe, you know, a guy like that, maybe he's a, a, a third-down special or whatever. I, I actually envision him being an every-down back. And we talk about this running back class and these skill players being loaded in the draft. Man, they're going to be a ton of players that are drafted in the third and fourth round um, that end up having great careers just because it's so loaded, it's so top-heavy this year at both of those positions, wide receiver and running back. Yeah, I went back in and because I'd, I'd watched a lot of these guys during the week um, that I hadn't finished up on tape. So when I went back into the computer book and I start – adding in these new grades on these wideouts, and I start looking, and I, I'm not kidding you, man. Like, it is – like, 
you get down to like your 20th, your 21st receiver. These are good players, man. Like guys that can come in and have an impact like year one. Uh, that's how deep this wide receiver class is. And the running back group's solid as well. So uh, good year if you need those guys. The, the, the main position that everybody loves, loves to focus on, uh, the quarterback position. I thought Justin Herbert was uh, he was the most consistent throughout the entire week. Um, no bad days, right? No bad practices. Um, I thought I did a little bit better job throwing with anticipation, which is something I wanted to see. Um, mm-hmm. But more importantly, Buck, I know some people laugh this off. It matters and it's important. I, I thought watching him interact and seeing his personality come out a little bit uh, during the week with a bunch of guys he doesn't know, he's just met. Uh, I thought he did a really nice job there. And, and that to me does go back to, you know, remember when we had talked to him the first time at the Pac-12 Media Day and we talked to him three years in a row. And every mm-hmm. time we saw just a little bit more personality and I thought this was the best version of Justin Herbert we've ever seen. Yeah, I think he's very, very comfortable in his skin where he is right now. And Here's the trick, DJ, for a lot of evaluators. A lot of evaluators have kind of like, kind of penciled him in as a certain thing, right? Hey, he's quiet. He doesn't have this. He didn't yeah. do this. And I think the challenge will be, can you move off of maybe your initial impression and really take him for where he is? Because the play was up and down. He didn't perform as well in some big games as we would like to see. Um, going back to the Auburn game this year, we talked about like the Hail Mary being thrown out of bounds and didn't perform well last year in their bowl game. But then you see him in the Pac-12 title game. He kind of steps up, uses more of his uh, traits. In the Rose Bowl, he becomes a, more of a runner, a little dangerous in that vein. And now I'm beginning to be like, you know, like we've seen in the last couple of years, and I'm not saying he's this, he's not Josh Allen, he's not Lamar Jackson, he's not that, but I'll use them as examples. Teams that take quarterbacks where they are, and put them in an offense that allows them to play to their strengths, have had success with these young quarterbacks. So the trick will be, can you figure out what he does really well? What does Justin Herbert do really well? And can you build an offense that enables him to play? I think he can play in an offense that's very similar to the one that San Francisco plays with Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins plays in in Minnesota, where you run the ball, you run stretch and bootlegs, some play action, some other stuff. I think if he is able to get in a system a system like that, I think you can see Justin Herbert play like a frontline player. Yeah, think about this. You know, that system that you're talking about is is also the Shanahan Kubiak system. Think about Joe Flacco, and I know Justin Herbert is a much better athlete. But think about Joe mm-hmm. Flacco's success in the Kubiak system, and you can envision a similar type of success for Justin Herbert, added in a little bit more athleticism, obviously what he brings with his legs. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I think that that is the type of system that fits him best. Um, Jordan Love, Buck, I, I think, look, I, I don't know. I don't ding him at all for what happened in the game. Look, he was, uh, I think it was four for six for 26 yards in the game. But when you mm-hmm. have when you have holding penalties, when you have a non-call on a deep ball that he threw to Gandy Golden, I think the first play he was in there, uh, oh, which yeah, 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 yeah. he gets held, so he can't come down with it. Um, and then another one, another deep post where I think it was Mims who failed to track it. It was kind of bizarre. Uh, um, it, but it, he didn't put it, the ball in harm's a, way. Yeah, it should have been a 50-yard gain on that one. Yeah. So that was – I thought he was fine. I thought he did a good job. I thought the thing he needed to do in that game, he did, even though it wasn't a lot of reps. Uh, manage, make good decisions um, is exactly what he did. Showed you he could run a little bit, ran for a first down. Um, the ball is just – he's just so effortless and smooth the way the ball pops out of his hand. I mean, he is I, – I will stick by where I've been on these two quarterbacks from this regard. 
I, I, who knows? I, I got to sort it all out. I'm going to go out and watch some more tape. Um, but I have Herbert and Love next to each other. I ended up having Love one spot over Herbert, and that was ceiling-based. I think Herbert, you get the argument he wins the floor, right? He's got the higher floor mm-hmm. than the two. I do think Jordan Love, just a little more natural, has a higher ceiling, but does come with a little more risk. That's how it sum those two guys up. Yeah, I would have him flipped um, just because I'm probably more apt to go with the floor over the ceiling. I think I, I probably trust what Je- Justin Herbert is going to be a little more. I think I'm maybe a little more certain about that. But you're right that uh, Love has enough talent where he could pop at the next level. And that pop could make him a difference maker uh, for the right team. Regardless, I think both of these guys are first-round players. I think both of these guys will go within the first 15 picks uh, as it shakes down. And I think it's just a matter of taking them where they're at and putting a system around them that enables them to play at a higher level. No doubt. Uh, Tough to get any kind of a read on Jalen Hurts in this game. No pass protection under constant pressure. Uh, Did have one nice touchdown, a little fade from the slot. Um, The pick, he got hit right under the chin. I don't know necessarily you put that on him. Um, But, you know, solid week. Solid week, Buck. The one thing I would say with with Jalen – um, still, like I want to see him get off number one a little bit quicker just when he's when he's going through his progression. Sometimes he can hang there on number one a little bit too long. Um, and, and just more anticipation overall in his game would be the would be the discussion there. And then look, Anthony Gordon from uh, uh, from Washington State, I, I do not have a big grade on him. I put him in the late rounds, uh, but he produced, I think, three touchdown drives, including a couple passing touchdowns. Um, he's got a little gamer to him, Buck. He doesn't wow you with his skill set, but he's got a little gamer to him. Yeah, he does have a little game to him. You know, like, I, I, I like the way that he performed. Uh, he was most outstanding player. I got a chance to talk to him after the game. And he just talked about just kind of managing the game, understanding who he had, and just kind of playing like a, a pass-first point guard. Let the playmakers do the work, and he did that. I think the thing that stood out to me, like just being on the field around him during the game, I mean, he had a lot of confidence. Like, And I think that confidence is, is something that, man, you have to have at that position, and it's something that, guys gravitate towards and when we look at the uh the performance that Garner Minshew has had down in Jacksonville that confidence that he had after being in that system the amount of reps that they had throwing the football uh does put those guys ahead of it doesn't have big time arm talent or whatever but he's certainly intriguing and back to the Jalen Hurts conversation man the more I look at Jalen Hurts the more it reminds me of Dak Prescott in terms of like Dak Prescott wasn't uh, a finished product when he was coming out of Mississippi State his best attributes may have been the uh, collection of his intangible qualities. Uh, the fact that he was smart, he was tough, high IQ, did right things from a leadership standpoint. And then he's just kind of a rugged player. I see Jalen Hurts in that kind of in that light. And so remember, Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick, which is where I kind of think Jalen Hurts kind of slots him to be like that borderline day two, day three, confidently probably day three, like that fourth round. But then in the right system where he's allowed to kind of grow a little bit, maybe he could become uh, a starting quarterback in the right system. Who knows? Yeah, I, I see a lot of those similarities athletic, athletically. I see a lot of the similarities even with how the ball comes out. They both both have strong arms. I would just say I thought Dak was just a little bit more polished in terms of just sitting back there in, in the in the cradle of the pocket and, and working boom, boom, boom. And I think a lot of that transpired over his last year at Mississippi State when he really made that leap forward. So maybe that leap is, is the rookie there there uh, for Jalen. You know, we'll see if he can make mm-hmm. that same leap. But I do think skill set wise there's a lot of similarities and the competitiveness, the the intelligence, the toughness, yeah, all that stuff very similar. 
Yeah, very similar. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of makes his way. And look, like most of these teams, oh, like most of these quarterbacks, it's all about fit. They got to go to the right situation for them to kind of play uh, to that ceiling that we talk about. They got to, they got to, they have to have the right coach and the right supporting cast around them uh, to fully bring that to the surface. No doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to some of these interviews we teased there at the top. Uh, three interesting players in this year's draft class, starting off uh, with Cal Safety Ashton Davis. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. We're always in scouting background, always looking to see what other sports guys have played. And usually you get guys kind of dabbling here and there. <laughs> Not the level of success that you've had in another sport. But for those that don't know, why don't you tell us a little about your track background? Um, yeah, I walked onto the, the track team at Berkeley and was fortunate enough to be named an All-American five times. Uh, I won a conference championship as well, uh, third at nationals. I had uh, a lot of success, a lot more than I ever expected to, to have. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. What events? Uh, 110 hurdles was where most of my accolades came from. Um, I also ran the four by one and some other, some other events when my coach would, uh, would need us to score some points. No, so this is cool. So I also ran track in college, and so I have a great appreciation. And I think one thing that I would ask you, they've always said that the best athletes are hurdlers. So if you could take your experience from being... Hold up, Buck. Were you a hurdler? No, I was not. I was just a sprinter. <laughs> I was just a sprinter. I was a sprinter. In thinking about, in thinking about your, your hurdle success, what are you able to take from dominating that event and then taking whatever skills that you learn from that and putting it into play on the football field? Yeah, um, actually, I don't know what specifically I'd take from the hurdle race, but running track in general, um, the, the kind of commitment it took to, to coming and working out every day was a lot of the time it was by yourself, and uh, you got to hit the times that you hit to, to get better, and, and it's, it's hard to do when you don't have someone right there with you running and pushing you, but I, I took that over to the football field and just was able to, uh, to grind through things a lot differently than some of the other people, and I kind of took that with me. When I watch you on tape, one of the things that notice, obviously you see the speed and the athleticism, but the instincts that you have um, really kind of help separate you. And nothing more important that position than, than your instincts. Um, we're, we're not naive. We know in order to be to look instinctive on the field requires a lot of work off the field in mm -hmm. terms of the study and the preparation. Walk us through what a week looks like for you in terms of preparing for an opponent. Yeah, so it, it's, it's my work habit started when uh, I got moved to safety, and I wanted to learn the position so bad and so quickly that I would just show up at 530 and that kind of became routine. Um, that whole year I showed up at 5.30 and once I got a pretty good understanding of our, our defense and where I fit, I, uh, I kind of just I ended up doing that work on my own. So I'd go watch the film, you know, early in the week it would start with concepts. I'd watch route combos and I'd watch teams that played similar defenses to us. And as it progressed throughout the week, I'd watch their releases and more, more of the nuances of what they were trying to do, loaded formations, uh, Splits run, and yeah, everything. Yeah. Run pass block just so I could get uh, get some good keys and you know some tells that some guys had. So it starts off pretty basic, just looking at concept X's and O's and what they're trying to do, what their flavor of the week is, and then uh, as you progress in the week, you get into the nuances and it gets fun. All right, you're not going to tell us who the team is because I don't want you to blow it from that standpoint. But outside of just high hat, low hat, yeah, what would be a tell or a key you would see? Uh, some some teams. Uh, if it's third down, their offensive tackle is sitting in a two-point stance already, and you know it's going to be a pass, um, or they'll be in a three-point if, if it's going to be a run. So that's one of the easiest ones. Um, but you got to make sure it's 100%. You can't 
you can't watch one play or one drive and assume that that's going to be the tell all the time. You got to make sure it's a, it's an actual tendency, and for for it to be a tendency, it's got to happen like over eighty percent of the time. It can't just be sixty percent. That's not a tendency. So, you know, it's funny. So you have really good coaches there, and one of your coaches, I think, is Gerald Alexander. Yep. Gerald Alexander is a guy that played in the National Football League. What have you been able to learn from him that has kind of helped you get ready for this process? Um, so one thing that I grew close with him uh, one time or when I grew close with him was we uh, like I said those 530 a.m. sessions uh, it seemed like he was he was really trying to learn too it was his first year um, at that level I think maybe not but he was still learning it and uh, he wanted to learn just as bad as me and that's something that I saw and I think he saw as well he was hungry just like I was and uh, we connected on that level and He's still trying to get better. He's going to camps, going, you know, not just mm-hmm. staying with his what his system is, but always looking for nuggets and things to things to improve on. And I think that's I, I share that same passion and that same drive to want to be great. Well, as scouts, we love to have you put on your scout hat for us for a second. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You got one off Herbert in, in the Oregon game. Did. Walk me through that play first of all. Tell me what you saw there, and then also just give us a little brief scouting report on, on preparing for him and what you saw. Okay. Um, well, we watched, and in that particular play, we were in pattern match cover three. Mm-hmm. We rotate into the boundary, and uh, I was basically had um, we call it gone on. I was gone on two, and mm-hmm. so I had him everywhere but underneath and. I was waiting for his stem. I knew I had a post player, so I just hung outside a little bit um, because I knew I had help inside. Funneled into our post player, and uh, the ball was underthrown a little bit, and I was able to make a play. And uh, preparing for a guy like Herbert is not easy. Um, we, we were watching film from the year before, and not a lot of guys even in the league can, can pump fake with one arm. Mm-hmm. You know, even you're watching Kirk Cousins, and he's over here with two Never hands. Never takes and, his hand off. Yep. yep. And then uh, there's maybe one or two guys in the league that can do it. And well. Herbert hits us with a double move uh, junior year. Of course, takes his hand off the ball, and um, we weren't prepared for that. So there's just little things like that that he's really good at and um, things that you just you have to be prepared for when you're playing a guy that's as special as that. You know, thinking about it, um, you guys have become quite a, a football team and a good football factor. We saw some of your DBs at other places. What is it about that tight-knit, tight-knit DB group? that enables you guys to compete with one another but also elevate each other's game. Something that I'm really uh, thankful for is that we got to play together for so many years. Um, we created some synergy and uh, kind of knew how we, how each other uh, liked to play and liked to work. And fortunately, we got a, a group of guys back there who, who know how to work on and off the field. And that's something that's really translated to success uh, in games and on the field. Oh, this has been great, man. We appreciate your time. Last question from me. Hair, product or no product? I don't use any product. That's all no, natural. natural. That is all natural right mm-hmm. there. That's big time. <laughs> Thanks for your time, dude. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, Buck Davis, uh, really, really intriguing because his ability to cover in the slot, to play as the high safety, obviously the track background, he's got legit, legit speed. Um, and with that, you've got good you know, football awareness and football instincts. So it's a, it's a really enticing combination he possesses. A, a fantastic combination of athletic traits that he possesses and he, that he possesses and brings to the field. And, and I think the bigger thing is in that conversation, just hearing the intelligence and being able to uh, understand how quickly he's able to diagnose and process information. Uh, so much of playing the safety position is being the traffic cop, being able to dispense information to the masses. He has that. And then when you bring the athleticism and skill set, a lot of things to like about Ashton Davis. 
Yep, no doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to our next one here. One of the more intriguing players in this year's draft, because of his background, you'll understand why after listening to our conversation with Oklahoma defensive tackle Neville Gallimore. Uh, we, we were just talking before we got rolling here, and I want to go right to the source here because there's reports that as a 13-year-old, you, <laughs> you can put it down on the basketball court. You were dunking at age 13. Yes. So I need to know if you can confirm that for us. That, that is facts. <laughs> but were these were these were these legit nasty dunks or were these squeakers? What are we talking uh, about? These here? are you know your your power dunks, one hand, two hand, throw it off the backboard, probably cock it back. You know, I was also dunking with my left hand and I was right-handed, but I wasn't windmilling though. I wasn't okay. I wasn't going under the legs or anything like that. But I was, you know, dunking in games type. So that, that's cool. So now you you've been a guy that was a multi-sport player. So it says yeah, here. So. Basketball, soccer, volleyball. How are they playing all of those sports? Volleyball. Hold up. You don't bury your leader. I know. I want to know what kind of volleyball. Are you a setter, outside hitter? I know you're not a libero. My my coach, uh, the coach I had in middle school, my gym teacher, he's literally the coach for all sports. So he got all these basketball players like playing every sport. So I had no choice. (laughs) (laughs) When did the football bug hit you? I, I started playing football actually in the fifth grade. Um, again, I, both of my brothers played basketball, so I always grew up playing basketball. Then I, one day I was literally at the court and I seen a few guys tackling each other and like hitting each other pretty hard and not complaining about it. Guys just laughing, having a good time. Like, okay, uh, let me get into it. Then after that, I fell in love with the game ever since. So, and thinking about that, because you had such a multi-sport background, how did those other sports help you when it came to being a football player? Um, I, I want to say. Uh, it, like for example, like soccer, that was the first part I ever played. And even though I didn't play for too long, I feel like it just helped because you know having that footwork and always being like a big kid. But I was always a big kid that could run, you know, had good feet, you know, I was always a uh, athletic guy. And I feel like that kind of made it easy to transition on the football field. Because really, when I started playing, I I don't start playing. I was playing like O line was the first sport, well, the first position I played because of my size. But then after. I was playing fullback because I was a heavier than everyone, but I could run just as fast as like a lot of the skilled guys my age. I'm not putting from you know I played linebacker, stand up defense, and all over the D line. I was on uh, all special teams and stuff. So really, you know, I didn't really get really get down to it until I probably say uh, going through high school, like 10th, 11th grade, where I started playing D line. Even then, I played some running backs too. We need to talk about where you grew up. Because growing up in Canada, yeah, uh, I, I'm curious what, how was the football growing up there, and how, uh, you know, you talked about how you got started in it, but mm-hmm. I gotta believe that there was a lot of things pointing over to other directions other than football. Um, you know, again, you know, I was born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I had two older brothers and my parents, but they, the four of them, they were born and raised in Jamaica. So, uh, yeah, just growing up, you know, football, it, it was, it was, it was a big deal. It was, you know, it was coming up, but just not at the the level that was being played, you know, in America. So, you know, a lot in terms of, you know, there wasn't that many. There's very few guys from Canada, especially where my hometown was, that had an opportunity, to, that got the opportunity to play Division One football. So, you know, it was more so me just playing it with my friends, you know, having that love for it. But then, you know, when you cross over to the border, you kind of see, like, just the amount that's invested into the sport. Not from a financial standpoint, just you know the coach and the caliber players, and you know you cross over the border. There's more guys that 
my build as opposed to back home. You know, I was you know, I kind of always stood out. So. You know, so in thinking about that, you, you elected to go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a storied tradition of producing pros. They've had talented defensive linemen. What did you learn from your time at Oklahoma that will help you succeed in the National Football League? I feel like, you know, Oklahoma definitely prepared me just to be, like, mentally tough. And I'm not saying I, I lacked that as a kid, but, you know, I was always a kid that showed – you know, I was a high effort kind of kid. Always, so I wanted to be that big guy that that sold out every play, that ran, that ran full speed. I always felt like I could keep up with the skilled players, even if I couldn't. And you know, the, the I feel like the biggest transition for me was just because of, you know, being kind of behind the eight ball. You know, just being, you know, not having that the the level of coaching that I had that I got at Oklahoma, and then just kind of understanding, you know, just more to it than being a high effort guy. You got to be able to play at a high level within the confines of the system, you know, technique, you know, understanding your hand placement, stuff like that. Being a, just kind of being more so a student of the game as opposed to just being like, just a, like just a, just an athlete. I want to I ask you a scouting question. We come from the scouting background, so put your scouting hat on for a second here. You got your hat on, you're ready to go. All right, you got a chance to watch the first overall pick last year as a teammate there with Kyler Murray. Now you look this year, Everybody assumes Joe Burrow is going to be the first overall pick. You guys got a chance to play against him in the playoffs this year. How would you compare those two guys? Uh, Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, again, both players, you know, are extremely, you know, exciting to watch. You know, first started with Kyler Murray. You know, he, the stuff, the, the stuff that he's able to do with his feet. You know, I feel like you know you you got to appreciate that. And again, he's a playmaker. You know, a guy that you know he kind of you know he puts his head down and, and just works, just wants to compete, doesn't doesn't like losing and then just you know again being somebody who had the opportunity to compete against Joe Burrow you know it's it's no coincidence that that he's put himself in the position he is now and you know even playing against him he's done some stuff that is really impressive and again it kind of adds to that it's one thing to see it you know when you're watching it on film or watching it you know as a spectator but when you're going up against it you know you definitely you know you have even more what was the difference? Respect. What was the difference seeing it live and in person? Um, again, you know, I feel like he, he's a very tough guy. You know, and he's again, he's a lot faster than I feel like a lot of people give him credit for. And you know, again, a facilitator just knows how to get the get the ball. In, you know, his guy's hands. You know, no matter what the situation is. You know, usually, you know, some guys are comfortable in the pocket, not as comfortable once they get out. And then you come across guys that are more comfortable out of pocket. You know, not really as comfortable in the pocket. Then you come across, you know, those few guys that kind of able to do both. So, I want to ask you one one more thing, Buck, and I'll let you jump in here. Did he talk at all? I mean, because he was in the he was in the zone against you guys. The way he was putting up numbers, mm-hmm. was he whispering to you guys at all back there? Or was he quiet? Uh, not, not, not that I don't know. But again, like also when I'm in the game, like I kind of lock in as well. I don't really uh, talk trash. I kind of just put my head down and work. So I'm not. But from what I recall, I don't remember him saying that. Uh, yeah. Too much as part as you know, apart from like him calling the, the offense or telling guys what he, they needed to do. I guess. So you guys had a new quarterback this year came in from Alabama, Jalen Hurts. Yes, sir. Um, what did he add to your team from a leadership standpoint, from a playing standpoint? Man, you know, I, I really got a lot of uh, appreciation for Jalen, not just as a football player, but as a person, because you know, just I feel like it takes a lot for a guy to. You know, especially, you know, you look at his resume, he's got a really great resume coming from, you know, the team that he's played for. And then to come in and just, I don't feel like it was hard for for guys to, to trust him. You know, he's a very team-oriented guy. Like, even the, the funny thing that really kind of jumped off the, 
the taint for me is just when he was talking with the guys that, you know, it was never ever like about him, even the goals and accolades that he had. Like, I don't think he mentioned not one time of a personal goal that he had for himself, but it was all more so what he wanted uh, us to accomplish as a team, as a unit, like what he's seen us doing, like the, the work that he, the expectation he had for us was so high, but I respected and understood because the expectation he had for himself was even higher. So, you know, that was one thing that I, like, I really appreciated. And on top of that, you know, great friend, genuine, you know, real, stand-up guy and you know the guy really I, I call him like an old man because he's just <laughs> he's got a lot of life experience 50 year old man trapped in like a 21 year old body but you know very wise guy and you know just, just a good overall good person to be around well it's been great to get to know you and visit with you best of luck this week have a I great appreciate week you both. guys thank you yeah, Buck Gallimore is a 13-year-old uh, putting it down on the hardwood man I, I don't know if I don't know if too many 13-year-olds want to see something like that coming at him down the lane well, I definitely don't want to see something like that coming down the lane. But I, I do like the fact that he did get a start in basketball. When you think about the footwork, uh, the short area quickness, the lateral uh, change of direction and all those things that basketball kind of helps you develop, he has that. And I think you see that in his game. He does a great job of what I call playing from guard to guard, from the edges of the guards to the other edge of the guard. I think he can move around and do some uh, unique things. And he's a sideline to sideline chaser. Interesting player, interesting prospect. No doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to our final interview here. We're going to roll. Um, this is a place called Lenore Ryan. You've been there. I've been there. Uh, this is a small school in North Carolina, but it has produced a big-time prospect in this year's draft, one you need to get to know, and Kyle Duggar. All right, Kyle, first of all, you got a couple North Carolina guys here. He was at the University of North Carolina. I was at App State. So my time at App State, I would drive over to Hickory, where Lenore Ryan is, mm-hmm. and uh, just solely for the Krispy Kreme, because they had a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> is it still? Is it still there? Is a Krispy Kreme yeah, still there? Yeah, yeah, it is still there. I actually left there before I left town. I had to. <laughs> uh, there you go. See, that's the spot. You go to Hickory, you can get furniture and Krispy Kreme. That's what you go to Hickory. How, how about that? How about that? Look, so obviously Lenore Ryan, a smaller school, you're the only Division II player on the Senior Bowl roster. What do you want to accomplish this week? Uh, the goal for me is to, is to show everything that I got. Um, I feel like I have a lot of versatility in my game, and it can be used in a lot of different ways at the next level. And I, I want to show all that, um, show everything I got this week. And that's, that's just the goal, show everything. Yeah, when well, we talk about that versatility, you know, a lot of teams have you safety where you're comfortable, where you've played. Other people look at you and say, man, the way you carry your weight, the way you can go, trying to get faster at the linebacker position, have looked at you potentially as a will. If you, if you got to pick, if it was your choice where you'd be playing, what would it be? It'd be safety, strong yeah. safety. Yeah. So you're strong, though, come, so you can come down and get involved down, down there. That's right. There you go. Yeah, so you, you not only play safety, but you also have some return ability. Will you have an opportunity to show some of those skills off yes, this I, week? Yes, I will be uh, be able to return this, this week, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> now, what is it about a return game that you enjoy? <sighs> Having the ball in my hands, being, a, being able to uh, affect affect the game and um, a lot of times on defense you know sometimes we'll be able to make plays with turnovers and pick sixes but we don't have the ball in our hands a lot of the time so I feel like um, I'm ineffective in that way because you see the offense you might see them doing something you're like man I wish I could have the ball in my hands yeah. so I, I get to have the ball in my hands and be effective. Well talking to two former scouts here I, we know the number one question you're going to get asked this week and I know you've already probably had some interviews with some teams but everybody's going to ask the same question how the heck did you end up at Lenore Ryan and this height weight speed combination you possess? I was a late bloomer. Uh, first off, um, I didn't. I, I came into high school. I was five six, probably about thirty five. So um, I, I slowly but surely I, I grew uh, throughout my high school career, and I, 
I only had one solid year on the field. That's my senior year. I started both ways. Before that, uh, I didn't start a whole lot at, at wideout, and, and I played JV and freshman football. So for me, it was kind of just, um, I feel like it was a lot of question marks on me from those from those one double A schools that I've been recruited by, and, and, and they didn't really feel like they wanted to take a chance at that. So I took the opportunity I could to play football again. You know, so you go to Lenore Ryan and you dominate. What are some of the things that you've learned at Lenore that can give you an opportunity to be successful in the National Football League? Uh, handling adversity, for one. It was a lot of times at Lenore Ryan where things didn't go how I was playing, and by that I meant um, the goal for me as a freshman was always play the next level. That was always um, the goal for me. So a lot of times when when I felt like my work wasn't being recognized. You know, we had a lot of a lot of dog days. I say where we weren't we weren't the best football team, and things. You know, we didn't really see a lot of recognition because it's only going to go uh, individual accolades only go to the team. Mm-hmm. So um, learning how to put that in the in the in the past and put that behind what really matters is playing and getting better. Learning how to kind of block that that stuff out and handle adversity when things were going good or bad is probably the biggest thing I could take away from being there. We've seen a lot of guys that were successful at that level decide, you know, hey, I want I want to go, I want to move on, I want to try and transfer up a level. We've seen that happen a lot recently. I'm sure you would have had plenty of opportunities if you wanted to transfer to a Division One school. Why why did you stick it out there? Um, actually, for me, I I did have uh, the first time I was thinking about transferring. Was when I, we got our new DB, DB coach, Dave Cole, and he uh, he had a pedigree to where he had put several NFL safe or safeties in the NFL. So I, I definitely took that as a sign. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an opportunity to get some really good coaching, and I stayed. That was the first time I stayed. Uh, another opportunity that I had, or that I thought about transferring, um, it was kind of a thing where I wanted to to come back to my team. It was a loyalty thing. I I didn't want to leave my teammates, but I was kind of contemplating. Th- contemplating it because I wanted to go against some some better guys, some higher high level guys. So um I just, you know, prayed about it and and I was me end up staying. So you know, when, when we think about this, uh, Bruce Feldman always produced a list called the Freaks List, and obviously you're on it because of all your athletic traits. And so naturally you're gonna be one of the stars of the combine. Everyone always wants to know, what do you think you can run at the combine? I think I can run four three. Ooh, put a number on it. I, I think I can run. I, I'm almost. I'm not even really thinking. I, I know I can run four three. So it's a matter of doing that for me. That's what. See, fast guys throw out a number. Yeah, they throw out a real uh, number. Uh, uh, when they're nervous, they guess. Oh, we'll wait and see. And you put yeah. a number out there four three means you can go. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey man, you're a fun player to watch. Thank Have you. a great week here in Mobile. Look forward to watching you compete, and we'll follow you through the process. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Buck, first of all, it's nice to know the Krispy Kreme is still there uh, in Hickory because that was one of my jam. That was my jam back in the day, man. They weren't they weren't these uh, Krispy Kremes on every corner like we have right now. No, no, no. I mean, it is funny um, that Krispy Kreme is there, but you know, Krispy Kreme started uh, not too far from there. I want to say Krispy Kreme was born in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I know it's a North Carolina product, which is why it's so tasty. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, it so is funny. Yeah, yeah, so it's funny that 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 he brings it up, but. I think the bigger thing with him, man, man, small school standout that dominated on the big stage, and he can do it all. I mean, you talk about hit, run, and cover, can return punts, uh, has a lot of growth and development that's still available in his game. Man, there, there, I think there are a lot of scouts that like him, and I think his performance last week down in, in, in the Senior Bowl 
is only going to propel him into what you talked about, that second-round status, I think is a lock that he goes somewhere in that. Yep, he's uh, he's a big-time player, man. Well, this has been a uh, – look, it's a tough day. It's a tough day for everybody that's a, that's a fan of sports and with everything that's been in the news um, with the tragedy there with Kobe Bryant, his, his, his daughter, and the other seven passengers on that helicopter. But I hope this has been at least a little bit of an escape for you. Um, just listen to, to two buddies here talk some football. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. It's been therapeutic for me, Buck. I know it's been great just kind of – uh, kind of clear your head a little bit and, and uh, be on with a good friend and, and have some, some fun football discussion, something we've been doing for a lot of years now. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tough, man. But this this is the time that you uh, really lean on your friends. So I'm very, very appreciative to be able to have the conversation with you, to be able to kind of share and kind of go back and forth. I think it's really, really important. And as my grandma would say, man, it's just important to give people their flowers while they're living. Um, so find people that are close to you and really uplift them, like, so they know it uh, before they depart and go on to the next one. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, all right, man. Well, that's uh, that's going to do it for us today. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. We've got two more episodes coming up this week. Uh, one where we're going to dig into how these two Super Bowl teams were built. I know we've touched on it a little bit previously uh, with the uh, with the 49ers, but we'll double down on that as well as, as talk about how this Chiefs team came together. And then we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a special episode. I believe this will be on Thursday uh, with Bucky's uh, latest mock draft. We'll break that one down. So it should be a lot of fun. I hope you guys uh, will be on the lookout for that. Remember, all of our videos NFL.com/slash/MTSvideo, uh, or you can just uh, subscribe to the new uh, channel. They're on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/NFLPodcasts. And you can find it there. That's going to do it for us. Thanks so much, Nabil, for putting this bad boy together. Uh, We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.
Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.